I, I just want to uh, start off by, by saying I'm really, really excited to share the Word of God today. Um, and, and, and yes, we come as, with, with a heart of expectation to see God move and to see the Word of God become life uh, and, and speak to our hearts. But uh, for me, it was a bit of a different uh, scenario. First of all, I follow life... I follow SIBKL on Instagram. Um, and, and if you don't, um, please do. Uh, because Pastor Marina does, and her team does a whole lot of work in, 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 on Instagram. But every Friday, oh, and, and if you do, uh, uh, join the Telegram channel as well. But anyway, every Friday or so, um, we, we know what's going to happen over the weekend, right? And there's a little image or two images that come out, who's speaking on the first service, who's speaking on the second and third service. And so I usually check that and I go, oh, okay, um, Pastor Fergus is speaking on Ehud and, you know, um, the heavyweight champion of the world, and I know that story, right? Like, yeah, Eglon, I know you're talking about. Um, and then next one, uh, Pastor Chiu, you know, how to overcome spiritual depression. Uh, oppression, sorry. Spiritual oppression. <laughs> and then uh, this Friday, last Friday, I, I, I and, and on Instagram, you know, you go to the next one, you just swipe left, right? And you say, oh, okay, who's speaking? When? I swipe and it didn't move. And then I realized, Pastor Lee Chu's face and my face on the same picture with the same title. And I will confirm this, or Pastor Dicho can confirm this, I did not speak with her about what we're going to talk about this weekend. But the title of this message, both of us came up with the same uh, title, Are You Willing? Are You Willing? So, so I'm, I'm excited because I, I know and, and I really believe in, in the depths of my heart that this is what God is calling SIBKL to. If not, why like that? Why put two faces on the same picture with the same title? Except that this weekend, God is speaking a message to each one of us. And it does not matter whether you're a leader. It does not matter whether you are, um, are just here on a Sunday. Uh, it applies to all of us who are people, children of God, members and, 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 and people of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that God wants to advance. The question to all of us today is, are you willing? That's the power of Judges chapter 4 and 5, the lesson for us to learn today. But before I do, so like I said, some of you are wondering, why, why, why I didn't say come back? Um, greetings from LifeGen SIBKL, um, our church plant uh, um, uh, LifeGen. That's where I serve most of the time, uh, and, and that's where my family and I worship in. We, we, our service is at 4 p.m. So if you see why I come dressed today like this. And you know, if, if you saw the image on, on Instagram, and by now you should have just already like follow, uh, click follow already, right? Um, uh, you would see me in a collar and button down and all that. But today, I'm speaking live gen later on as well. So I thought, let me just dress down a bit. Um, and, and I know some of you, uh, you, you want to look hip and cool. You want to get some ideas. Come join us at 4 p.m. Uh, worship along with us. Because God is doing something amazing in live gen and all of you as a church are involved. We're, we're family. We're family. We serve together. We advance the kingdom of God together. Expressions may be different, but I want you to just know this is what God is doing in LifeGen. Some of you were, um, were, most of you would have known, some of you came in and joined us for Power Conference three weeks ago. And God has done an amazing job. And, and not us. God has done an amazing job uh, in, in just kind of helping us understand and showing us a manifestation of what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven looks like. But I want to just say one of the highlights for me was that people from main church, our mother church, came and supported us came and blessed us and came and said, I know you're doing this thing. I want to come alongside you. And I want to serve together with you. And we were so, so blessed. Some of you here, you know who I'm talking about because I know because I see the shirt you're wearing. On this Connect Ministry for this. <clears throat> um, and, and, and you came and you blessed us and we're so, so blessed. Well, one of the interesting things that, and, and this is what I want to share with you, church. One of them um, and, and, I, and I spoke with him again this morning, and, and he confirms the testimony. Um, came to me on the first day of Power Conference, before everything started. So if you're serving, you would come earlier for briefing and, and getting ready so that we can welcome all the people who are coming for the conference. And some of, these, some of the people from, from, from Mother Church, SIBKL, came and served with us as ushers. So one of them came, um, and, and he walked into, in, into, into SMCC, and... Uh, with a hip pain, 
So he had pain down, down this side here. Um, some of you, if you're experiencing that, God's going to heal you today in Jesus' name. Uh, but he came with that hip pain, and, and he was limping, and, and he walked over to me, and he said, uh, Wayan, I, I want you to pray for me. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Praise the Lord, now, right? He got healed, right? So yeah, just praise the Lord. But here's the more amazing bit, all right? And, and this is, because at the end of the day, right, the, the, the signs and the wonders and the miracles are meant to confirm something. Right, confirm the manifestation of the kingdom of God. Confirm that God's love is there, that God is powerful. Confirm the message of the gospel that we preach. But he came, and, and, and this was the pain that he was already going through, going with for, for, for days, weeks, if not even longer. And, and he was serving as an usher, and his wife told him, hey, if you're going to serve as an usher in power conference, can you please go and take like some Panadol, take some painkiller. Otherwise, you walk with this limb, you know, the whole time, pain here, pain there, how to say, hi, welcome to Power Conference. And you know what he said? I'm going to Power Conference. For what? I take Panadol. Straight away comes up, comes up to Connect Lounge and SMCC comes over to me and I happen to be hosting an overseas, sorry, overseas, outstation pastor uh, who's coming in just to come and join us for the conference uh, and I was just talking to him and he comes over to me, uh, I say hi uncle and all that and, and I, I get to know um, of the pain that he's going through. We pray for him, the pain goes down from 8 to about 2 or a 1 and by the end of it, it's gone and, it, and I checked with him again today, it is gone. We praise God for that. But that was what God was doing. And church, it does not matter whether you've got power conference or not. We, we did power conference because we felt God was telling us we need to, we need a boost. We need, to, we need to push for an understanding amongst our next generation that God is here, God is active, God is moving. I don't care what you've gone through through the pandemic. I don't care whether you're going through depression. I want you to experience an encounter with God so that you, your life changes and you move with God. But it does not matter whether you're power conference or not, God is already moving. So even before power conference started, this, was, this healing didn't take place at an altar call or in the auditorium. It took place at a connect lounge. And that healing is permanent. I, I remember praying. So this is just a quick lesson, by the way. Um, I didn't share this in the second service, but I thought that you know, all right? So when you do experience healing, first of all, praise the Lord. Second of all, declare it permanent. All right? No relapse, all right? Because what happened in... Um, uh, last Friday at the CG, I prayed for this guy who has back pain, soreness of the muscle. Doctor couldn't tell what, what was going on with him. All x-rays all seemed fine. We prayed with him and the pain went from a 7 to a 5 and it went to 0. So praise the Lord, right? He tests out, his he checked his shock, his, uh, sorry, shock and awe kind of awesomeness. Oh, I've gone already, you know, uh, temporary lah. You, I worked so hard to pray for the healing to go. Are you going to say temporary? Don't, don't, don't ever say that. Okay. So I told him, okay, after a while, you check again, the pain went up to two. So I said, now you pray. You declare it gone, you praise God, and then you declare it permanent. So he did that. It went from two back down to zero. I was like, you watch your mouth. Huh? <laughs> permanent. <laughs> All right. And, and, but you see, it's, 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 it's a mindset. Especially when you've gone through pain and then pain come back, pain go, pain come back. You're like, okay, la, fine, you know, thank God, praise God, you know. But your, your, your mindset hasn't been renewed. That's what God wants to do. He wants to renew your mindsets. He wants to renew your mindsets because when you carry that healing and you make it a testimony, if, if the pain comes back, what kind of testimony are you carrying? But when you carry the testimony and a mindset, that God has healed you and God's kingdom is manifested, manifested through that healing, then you carry a testimony that's powerful. And I say, next time you'll be praying for people with back pain and say, look, my one, gone. And I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to declare that healing gone. Uh, sorry, declare the healing gone. Declare the pain gone uh, and the healing come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so God has been, God's been really awesome. God is God's doing such a wonderful work um, in, in our church. Um, whether it's in Life Gen or Water or Sungai Bulo or even at Mother Church, God is doing an amazing work uh, in our lives. And, and, and we don't take it lightly. We praise God and we honor God for all we're doing. If you have not followed Life Gen SIBKL on Instagram, please do. There are amazing testimonies of, of what God is doing both during the conference and even after the conference. I'll share some of that with you uh, in, in a bit later as well. Are you willing? Go and ask your neighbor. Are you willing? Are you willing? Right? How many of you replay? Yes. 
Alright, I hope you're awake because I haven't told you what you're willing to do. If for those you say to do what, I know you're awake because now you're thinking, okay, willing for what? Alright, now here's, here's the big question. Are you willing to go to war? And I don't mean physical war. I mean spiritual battle. Spiritual warfare. Judges 4 and Judges 5 give us an understanding of what it means when he calls a church into spiritual warfare. So it's not just, are you willing to take, you know, an extra half an hour to spend time with God? No. Are you willing to put your foot forward and advance the kingdom of God? Are you willing to take up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the sandals, all of the armor of God upon you, and then advance the kingdom of God? That's the question we are going to ask ourselves today. Because that's what God tells us in Judges chapter 4 and 5. Are you willing to follow God into war? Most of you have read Judges 4 and 5 um, in, as, as a story. Some of you, you, you've gone through all the laws of the, in the number, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You're like, yay, we're back to after Joshua. And Joshua kind of ends a bit on a, oh, this person take this land, this person take this land, this tribe take this land, a bit boring. And then suddenly you're back to the Judges and all the narratives come out, all the stories come out, and then you're like excited once again. And so the story of Deborah and Barak and the Israelites and the, and the deliverance of Israel uh, may be familiar to a lot of you. I'm going to go through a chart and just to briefly explain what took place. And so you have this after Ehud and Shamgar. And Ehud is the one with the, who, who, who battled with uh, Eglon, king of Moab. Uh, Shamgar, one sentence all about him. Um, and then after that, 80 years of peace. I want to say this, 80 years of peace does not mean 80 years of prosperity and 80 years of kingdom of God in Israel. I want to say this at the start because we, we've got to understand that the moment deliverance takes place, yes, there is a revival. People are turning back to God. People are forgetting the idols that they worship. People are forgetting the cultures of the, the nations around them. And they're turning back to God and learning to follow the laws of God, learning to commit themselves to God. And that's fine. And that's awesome for the first year and then the 10th year and the 20th year and the 30th year. But the interesting thing about when there are times of peace is that often we forget. Often we forget. Now, how do you deal with this? How do you make sure that you don't forget? The Israelites needed to always remember, and unfortunately they did not, that the command or the, or, the, or the covenant that God had made with Abraham was that I will bless you. You will have a promised land full of milk and honey and all these awesome things, but you will also be a blessing. And if you take all the blessing I've given you and use it for yourself in the times of peace, you will forget because you have forgotten the covenant that I have made with your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you have not been a blessing. And what takes place in our lives, when we live comfortable, wonderful lives, we come to church, we go home, you know, finance is not an issue, family is doing well, no, no real, you know, issue in, in our lives, everything is comfortable, we forget the call that God has over us as a church, as a family, and as individuals. And then we slide downwards. And so perhaps in year 65 or 70, we don't know that for sure, the Israelites were forgetting God. Slowly, they were turning to the idols of the Canaanites. Slowly, they were turning into intermarriage and, and, and into cultures of the Canaanites and forgetting the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if that was the case, what they were also doing is this. They are giving up willingly their spiritual authority in God over to Satan. It's almost like saying, when you come to God and you say, God, I offer my life to you, all of my life to you, you do as you will, I will follow you. You can literally do the same with Satan. The moment you worship 
idols, the moment you worship like the pagans do, the moment you say, God is not my master, the moment you say that, that wealth will be my master, the moment you say that these idols, and I don't mean physical um, uh, sta statues or, or, or sculptures as idols, I mean the things that revolve around your life that you place priority over, become things that control you and you've allowed that to happen, then you're basically saying, Satan, come, do as you will. My life is yours. That was what the Israelites did. They forgot God. And God sold them as slaves to Jabin and Sisera, the Canaanite kings, and they were oppressed for 20 years. 80 years of peace, a slide down, they forget God, 20 years of oppression, both physical and spiritual. 20 years of oppression. And during that time, there was a woman named Deborah. She was a prophetess. She was a judge. She was a wife. And she was a judge in Israel, like an actual judge. You, you have a dispute, go to Deborah, get a judgment. She, will, she, she was one who was respected because she heard from the Lord and would be able to speak truth and speak with boldness and speak the word of the, God, word of the Lord, word of God, into the dispute and make a decision. This is what the Lord says, now do. That was Deborah's role as a judge in Israel. And hearing from God, she calls this man Barak. She summons him, Barak, and commands him in God's name to fight Sisera and his army with 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun. Two tribes. 10,000 men from these two tribes. And Barak says in reply, if you go with me, I'll go. If not, sorry, I, I don't want to go. Right? If not, I won't go. Deborah then tells him, okay, I will go with you. So Deborah goes with him. But because of that conditional willingness, and that's the phrase I will use, that conditional willingness, Barak forfeits his full destiny. We'll look into that a bit more. And so then Deborah, Barak, and the 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun this attack Caesarah's army, routs the army, and in that process also, God sent a miracle, and we will look at that as well. God sent a miracle in order to enable the Israelite army to defeat Jabin, Sisera, and their armies. Not one man survived. And then Sisera escapes to the tent of a lady named Jael. And while he was asleep, Jael kills him, as prophesied by Deborah. There was a final victory. The Bible tells us that Jabin and his entire nation was subdued and overpowered by the Israelites. And so there was a full and final, full and total victory over Jabin and his entire nation, his entire kingdom. And then Deborah and Barak in chapter 5 sing a song of praise to the Lord. Now here's the thing. This is one of those unique situations where both a historical narrative in, 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 in story form and a song in poetry uh, is put next to one another. And if you read all of Judges 4 and 5 together, you get a fuller picture of what took place in that time, in that season of Israel. And so you don't just read the Judges 4 because, you know, the story looks easy to understand and the song looks a bit funny. Uh, but you read all of that together and you say, God, what are you showing me in the story of Deborah, Barak, the Israelites, and a lady named Jael? But let me set the stage before we move on. We are at war. And as a church, we stand on the battlefield for our generation in our time. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. That's John 10.10, 10, right? And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, the people may have life, and have life abundantly. That is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. Life, an abundant life, is a manifestation of the kingdom of God, where there is peace, where there is joy, where there is love. But what the enemy is trying to do is the exact opposite. And the enemy does not let up. The enemy does not give up. The enemy does not take naps. Caesar might, but the enemy does not. 
He does not take naps. He does not rest. He will do whatever it takes to advance against the kingdom of heaven and draw as many people away from the kingdom of heaven. However he does it, his aim is to defeat the kingdom of heaven. That kingdom is the one that you're involved in. That's the kingdom you're in. If you're a believer here today, you're a member of the kingdom of heaven. You're a child of God, given authority with Christ in the heavenly realms to advance the kingdom of God. And so if you look at your life and you go, there's no war, it's comfortable, it's fine, there's no issue, then you are sorely mistaken. We are at war, church. If anything, I hope today's message will be a rallying call for each and every one of you to say, I will go to war with God to advance the kingdom of God. We are at war. And what you see in our world today, whether it is political, whether it's health or, or medical reasons or medical issues, whatever the problem is, has its roots in the spiritual and when you come to church and you worship God and you declare the name of Jesus in the mountains, in the streets, in the darkness over every enemy, that is powerful. Because you are declaring the authority of Jesus, the authority of the King over every one of us, over this church, over this nation, over our lives. But after Sunday is done and after worship and, you know, the music and all that is awesome and it really lifts your heart, like really, really genuinely lifts your heart in worship to God. You go back out on Monday and you bring the kingdom of God and you advance the kingdom of God back home, back in your workplaces, back with your friends. And the people that you actually mix with on your weekdays. A little joke. I might as well tell you first it's a joke. What are the strongest days of the week? Saturday and Sunday. Why? The rest are weekdays. <laughs> Hello, when you praise the Lord, praise the Lord again. Lord. But doesn't that look like what we live lives like as Christians? Whoa, my spirit is so full and strong and my heart is lifted up on my Saturdays and my Sundays when I serve, when I come and worship God. By the time I go out on Monday, I, I want to declare, never again. Never again. Your Saturdays and your Sundays will be strong. Your Mondays and your Tuesdays will get stronger and your weekdays will get, will, 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 will be physically W-E-E-K days, but they will not be weak days for you because God is with you and you're going to go to war with the strength of God. And I want to just say this out right out at the start. God already won. The victory is the Lord's. Now, can you give glory to God for that? Not funny, but true. God wins. He has won. He has got the victory. So, and, and this is what Deborah told Barak, and, and you read this in the story. Has not the Lord gone before you? If He has gone before you, why you worry? God is your ultimate source of strength. God has gone before you, and He will... He, 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 he's already won the victory and you know this today because Jesus has won it on the cross and so by the, by the name of Jesus by the power of the blood of Jesus the battle is already won all, you got in, all you've been called to do is manifest that victory in your lives manifest that victory where God has placed you and bring many people to see the kingdom of God manifested in their own lives as well we are at war Last passage I want to share with you, Ephesians 6. And it says that the battle that we wage, the wrestling, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against, essentially, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's where we wage war. That's where we wage war. Everything you see in the physical has its roots in the spiritual. And when you win there, when you manifest the kingdom of God there, it will show in your lives. It will be reality. I want to say this also before I move on to, to the different individuals in the story. For those of you who are leaders here, especially cell group leaders and, and core 
and anything above that. This evening, when you come for Leaders Advance, Deborah said something in Judges chapter 5. It's not on the screen, so I want to encourage you to just open your Bibles. Actually, all of you, open your Bibles, Bibles to Judges chapter 5, verse 2. Judges chapter 5, verse 2. I just want to say this. I feel this is what the Lord wants us to, wanted me to just um, impart and, and, and just declare over, over the leadership in His church. Judges chapter 5, verse 2. After all the victory, the first thing Deborah says was, the fact, I, I'm adding that, the fact that the leaders took the lead in Israel. You stood up and took the lead in your cell groups. You took the lead in your ministries. You took the lead to follow God and obey God. The fact that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves, and everybody say this, willingly, willingly. The fact that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Deborah is saying this out of this joy in her heart that it wasn't just her, it wasn't just Barak, it wasn't just 10,000 men. It was the fact that the princes of Israel stood together, the leaders in Israel stood together, and they said, we will offer ourselves willingly. She praised the Lord. I praise the Lord that our leaders are coming for leaders advance this weekend. I praise the Lord that they're not, oh, you know, hey, same old, same old, la, no need to come. La. Some of you have been doing this for years. But you come. Because you've offered yourself willingly. You took the lead in this church. And you're saying, I want to go to war with God. Hey, hello. We call this leaders advance, you know. Not leaders retreat. Leaders retreat uh, is for Caesar. Okay, not us. We are leaders advance. Alright? We're continuing to advance the kingdom of God. We're continuing to pursue and extend the kingdom of God in this church, through this church, in what God is doing and what God has called us as a church. So Judges chapter 5 verse 2, that's for you uh, leaders. I'll see you this evening. First person, Deborah. Question again, are you willing? Are you willing? First person, Deborah. Now I don't know how old she was at this time. Right, the Bible doesn't really exactly tell us. So I'm doing some mathematical estimate, guesstimate, um, based on what she says in Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5, the song in Judges chapter 5. Because she talks about a, a bit more about the history of what was going on in, in the oppression of those 20 years. But she also does mention Ehud and Shamgar. And so the, the impression that I'm getting, my guesstimate, is that she was probably 50s or 60s. Someone who was very well respected, someone who had, um, who had a, a role as a judge and was respected as a, 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 for her wisdom and a role as a judge, um, but someone who has also cultivated a relationship with God throughout that time. So she could have been around during the peaceful years, those peaceful 80 years. And during that season, when it was peaceful, as the Israelites began to slide, she was going upwards with God. As the Israelites were beginning to forget God, she was remembering God. She was cultivating a relationship with God and carrying that relationship with her. And when Israel was oppressed by Jabin and Sisera and his army, they would still go to this lady named Deborah, who had heard from God, who spoke with boldness, who spoke truth and would be able to speak with wisdom and make decisions over their lives. She was very well respected. She did not give in to the evilness that the Israelites were giving in to. She continued to maintain a life that was close to God, cultivating her relationship with God throughout that time. I want to say this. There are Deborahs among us. And I thank God that there are Deborahs among us. There are Deborahs among us and I don't mean you if your name is Deborah. Whatever that name is, it could be a Chinese name, but you carry that same quality that Deborah carried. A person who in her secret place, or guy, by the way, so if you're Debson, that's okay, all right? I include you. Uh, people who have cultivated in the secret place a relationship with God that is strong, that is close, that is deep, that is authentic, and you may not be up here speaking, you may not be a leader, so to speak, but you've cultivated a relationship with God and you're journeying with God and God is manifesting His kingdom through you. There are Deborahs among us. We may not, 
you know, totally gel with personalities or quirks, but you know when you see their lives that they follow God and they follow God wholeheartedly. At the point when God tells Deborah, summon Barak, summon him and his 10,000 men, go fight Sisera, 20 years of oppression already, you know. Nobody has succeeded if anybody tried. And then she said, okay, I'll do it. Goes up to Barak, or, or calls, summons Barak, so Barak comes to her, and then she says, has not the Lord gone before you? He will deliver these people into your hands. With that boldness and that courage, because she knows God. She's cultivated that relationship with God. If you want to be willing, you've got to cultivate that relationship with God. If you want to be willing to say, God, I want to go to war with you, you've got to know God. And it's not just me declaring something or you hearing and say, yes, agree. But when you cultivate that relationship with God, you know for certain in, in the depths of your heart, God has already won. And so I'm going to effect that victory. That was Deborah. There are Deborahs among you. Some of you, in your mind already, you're thinking, oh yeah, 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 I remember this person is like a Deborah. I know it's a guy or a girl, doesn't matter, but this person really carries that kind of spirit of Deborah. My mom is a Deborah. Just yesterday, we were celebrating my, my daughter's birthday and, and we ordered food in a restaurant and the food had a lot of oil. My one had a lot of oil. Ugly oleo, right? So, ugly oil. Um, my mom comes after I'm done and she wants to put more food, like extra, you know, whatever else leftovers from some other table. Puts more food there and then she sees the bunch of oil. She takes this, like, serviette and just, just wipes the entire plate off of her. I say, Mom, no! That's the best part! Deborah, ma, what to do? Willing, oh? Okay, mom. You'll always be a mother, alright? I cannot stop you, okay? Fine, you take away the oil, you know? For, 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 for long-term health benefits, fine, sure. My mom is a Deborah who has prayed, who has cultivated a relationship with God, who has built and raised children who would in her, in her desire be giant killers. I wanted to say, Pastor Dichu is a Deborah. And you agree with me, just like, praise the Lord for that. For two reasons. One, she has also cultivated that relationship with God. And you don't have to check her, her schedule to know whether she's cultivated it or not, how many times she's spent hours in prayer or, you know, whatever it is. But you see from the authority that she carries when she speaks, when you hear, you know that God has been working in her and through her. And over the years that God has built her and raised her, we want to honour what God has done in her life as well as her. And that's one reason. And that's the, the main reason why I call her Deborah. The second one is this. This is funny, okay? It's not super serious, all right? You know what the name Deborah means? Some of you, like, go and check out, right? Check the concordance or whatever, right? What's the name? Deborah name, De the name Deborah means bee. B-E-E. -E. How many of you have been stung by a bee before? <laughs> I've been stung by a bee that I've never seen. You know why? Because it's so small. But the pain, the pain is memorable. It's unforgettable. Pastor Lichu may be tiny, But she got sting. <laughs> Chili Padi doesn't work as a name. Maybe Deborah might. Anyway. <laughs> but we praise God for the Debras in our church. We praise God for the Debras in our church. Because when God calls in, in the midst of an entire nation that has been oppressed, that was already worshipping idols and, 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 and practicing evil, the Lord looks to and fro and finds those who are faithful. Who are the first persons he will see? The Deborahs. Because they have been faithful. They've cultivated that relationship. They're willing to say, go. You call me, I go. Even Barak asked me to go, him, so I go. Because I'm, I'm like a mother in Israel. And the Judges 5 will tell you that. I'm willing. Then there's Barak. Most of you know this story of Barak. He says, okay, if you call me, I'll go. Uh, but wait, hold up. You have to come with me. You don't come with me, I don't go. And so Deborah looks at him and goes, okay, I will go. Since you want me to go with you, I will go. But. 
the big kill, as, as Pastor Fergus mentioned, uh, the, 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 the big kill will not be in your hands. God will hand it over to the, to the hands of a lady. The big kill. Barak's like, never mind, let's go. You wait. And, and here's, here's the thing. Before we start taking pot shots at Barak for his conditional willingness, I'm going to say a bit about the next judge, Gideon. Gideon, we all know this, all right? If you read the story of Gideon, Gideon is just like us. When God calls us, we're like, don't know if it's God or not. So then he says, okay, God, if it's really you, if you're really going to call me to do this, to fight the Midianites, fine. I put this wool in this bowl out in the field. One day, make bowl dry, make the wool dry, place all wet. Another day, make the bowl wet, place all dry. If it works, I know it's you. How many of you have tried this with God? Here's the thing. Barak, when he was called, was more willing than Gideon to move out. Because he, oh, condition, huh? there was a condition. Yes, there was a condition. I will get there. But when Barak was called by Deborah, summoned by Deborah, he went to Deborah. Deborah said, go, because the Lord has gone before you. God will deliver Sisera into your hands. He was like, okay. So, okay. He said, yes. There was a slight deficiency, so to speak, in his answer. But it was better than Gideon's. So before we, before we say Barak is wrong for doing certain things, if we are like Gideon, Barak is better than us. Remember that. Barak had a willingness to go. He had a willingness to go. It's true, his request was out of fear. It's true, he had doubts. It is true that because of what he did, he did not get the big kill. It's true that perhaps when you look at this story, he did not arrive at his full destiny. What God had planned for him, he did not achieve it in totality. But because he was willing, Sisera's army was routed, not a man survived. King Jabin's entire nation, entire kingdom was overpowered by the Israelites, who did not even have a king at the time. God was king. And the entire nation of, Jabin's entire nation was overpowered because Barak said yes, even if it was conditional. Are you willing? Are you going to take the Gideon step and go, um, can you please make the wool dry and the rest of the ground wet? Or when, or when God calls you, you say, okay, I'll go. What was God, or what is God telling us through the story of Barak? Two things. When it came to Barak's case, God made it clear to us that when he's called us to be willing, he is saying, I want, first of all, wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience. Meaning a wholehearted willingness to obey God, to follow him, to wage war against the enemy. That is key in the kingdom of God. That's what God asks of us. But then you may come to me and say, well, if, if God suddenly calls me today to wage war in this, in this way and in this manner, um, and, and I sure scared one. Because perhaps, unlike Deborah, we have not cultivated our relationship with God so deeply and so, so, so powerfully that the moment He says, do like, you know, jump high or so you jump, do whatever it is, punch above your weight category or so I punch. And you're like, I'm sure scared one. The second thing that God teaches us is this, not just wholehearted obedience, but wholehearted dependence on God. Every judge who judged Israel and delivered Israel learned these two things, wholehearted obedience, wholehearted dependence on God. Meaning to say this, Barak's response actually are very natural to all of us. If I was asked to go, I was just thinking about this, you know, if God calls you to go to a different company, and you've already read on glass door, glass ceiling, glass door, glass ceiling. Anyway, read on the internet, and, and you're like, people are expressing, wow, this company culture is very toxic. But you know deep in your heart already, and you're like, Barak, you're like, I know God's called me to go into this company to bring the kingdom of God there, advance the kingdom of God there. The, what's the first thing you ask yourself? Hey, maybe the boss might be okay. Huh? Maybe I know a friend who has gone into that company before and is still there. Maybe I can gain some strength. 
and some assurance that when I go there, still got somebody there. That's the barak. I will go, but I need some assurance. Church, when God calls us to go, it's wholehearted obedience and wholehearted dependence on God. There will be many times when God will call you to punch above your weight category. You know why? Because it's beyond your experience. It's beyond your expertise. It's beyond what you've ever done before. And when you're in that scenario, what do you do? You rely on God to be your ultimate source of strength. Not Deborah. Deborah is willing. Deborah is awesome. She's great, but she's not your ultimate source of strength. God is. And so I want to declare this for some of you. If you are, if you are called to bring the kingdom of God into your workplace and the culture is still toxic, God is your ultimate source of strength. When you are waging war in the heavenlies for someone's healing or to restore family relationships or to bring some sort of miracle, God is your ultimate source of strength. When you deal with bringing the kingdom of God, but in your natural daily tasks, the things you do the moment you wake up and before you sleep, when you have to build your company, when you have to raise your children, when you have to fight for justice, when you have to get through a hard day's work, when you have to deal with this angry customer and you're trying to appease that person, when you deal with disagreement at home, your ultimate source of strength is always God. Your CG leaders, your pastors, we want to journey with you. We want to go through this with you. We want to lend you strength and encouragement and comfort. But we are not your ultimate source of strength. We lead you to God, who is your ultimate source of strength. Your ultimate source of strength is God. And as a church, when we contend for Sabah and Sarawak, when we contend for revival, when we contend for the transformation of this nation, our ultimate source of strength is God. I also want to say this. You may not be even in a season right now where God has called you to do something daunting. You may be in your season of peace. That 80-year season that Israel was in, in that season, cultivate your relationship with God. Cultivate it. Build it. Draw close to God. Build that relationship with God so that the moment, like in Deborah's case, God says, go, you're not a Barak anymore. You're a Deborah. You're saying, I'm going to be willing. I'm going to go. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to wage war in the heavenlies for my nation, for my family, for my people, for my church and I will advance the kingdom of God. So when life is comfortable for you, don't forget God. Build and cultivate that relationship with God. That's Deborah, that's Barak. And then in between Deborah, Barak, and I will end with Jael, there's these two things that took place in uh, the story that I want to point out. The first one is this, Deborah, Barak, and the 10,000 men. So they actually went to war, right? Barak mustered his 10,000 men and, and they were at, the, at, the, at Mount Tabor and Sisera and his 900 iron chariots. All right, 900 is not a small figure. How many of you have seen 900 iron chariots? I have not. Barak has. And my imagination of what it would look like, even though you have a height advantage on the mountain, it's, it's still very scary. It's still very daunting. This is nothing you've ever done before. You're punching above your weight category. And he goes to war. Now, the Bible tells us in both Judges chapter 4 and Judges chapter 5 that not only did these 10,000 men get involved, the entire route of Caesarea's army was not just on that day itself, in that location itself. The enemy was routed all the way back to Jabin's, uh, Jabin's headquarters. All right, and throughout all of that journey, all of that chasing of the, the armies, the tribes of Israel were called to war as well. And when the tribes of Israel were called to war, 
and I'll give you a list right now. There were some tribes who said, yes, I will go to war with you, and some tribes who said, no. Think about that, Israel. Tribes who said, no. Who were the tribes who went to war? Naphtali, Zebulun, that one we know already from Barak's 10,000 men. Issachar, Ephraim, Benjamin, and, and a portion of Manasseh what they usually call the western portion of the, the, the Manasseh, of the west of the Jordan. Anyway, I'll get to that in a bit. But these were willing tribes. And these were the willing tribes who said, I will go to war with you. But there were also tribes who said, no, I won't go to war with you. Reuben, Gad, and the tribes by the coast, Dan and Asher. How do we de determine who went to war or not? Very simple. Judges chapter 5, the whole list is there. But there is a description of these tribes. The description of the tribes who were willing to go to war risked their lives. They fought and they saw the victory of God. But what I want to point out are the tribes who are not willing. Why were they not willing? Gen Judges chapter 5, verse 15. Turn with me to Judges chapter 5, verse 15. Reuben, Gad, Dan, Asher. And this, were the, this was Deborah's complaint about these tribes. Judges chapter 5, verse 15. The second portion. Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Everybody say, searchings of heart. Why do you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed behind, beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landings, his harbors, his bays, stayed by his landings. They were not willing to be involved in the war that God had called them to be a part of. Why? Many reasons. One of it, was probably fear. Great searchings of heart. The great searchings of heart gives us the image of a person who is thinking, then thinking twice, then thinking three times, then probably looking for other people who may or may not agree with him, and then maybe developing a council of people who would decide with him or for him. That council is not willing to decide, so they find and form another council to come to a decision to decide for this guy. And so all that time is being taken while the war is still waging. Great searchings of heart. But what's even worse is this. Why do you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? What were they doing? Taking care of sheep, yodeling, playing around, just chilling, while their brothers were at war. It's the picture of, oh, well, you know, I don't really care. It's all right. It's all right. You just go ahead, do your thing. I do my thing. I'm cool. It's fine. I'm not really being oppressed here. You know, it's, it's not something I need to fight for. You guys are oppressed. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at what's going on over there, but you fight, all right? You know, Godspeed. God be with you. But I'm fine. I'm comfortable. Dan and Asher, the two tribes by the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, Probably doing business, staying with the ships, getting their trade in, getting their money in, getting their, their wealth in. Maybe they pay some tribute to King Jabin, but the rest is theirs. And it was comfortable. They don't mind it. It's cool. It's fine. Oh, yeah, you guys are oppressed. You do your thing. I'm not involved, and I won't be involved. Here's the thing, for those who fought alongside Deborah and Barak, they saw the victory of the Lord. But the scary part is this, the other tribes, those four, continued living their lives. They stayed in comfort, didn't lose their sheep, didn't lose their ships. Life was fine. They didn't lose business, didn't lose money. They may very well die pleasant, comfortable lives. But they never walked in the victory of the Lord. They never saw God at work. They never, they may, they may pray token prayers, maybe sat in the chairs on Sundays, but they never participated in the call of God over their lives and over the church. 
And because, because their lives were comfortable, they may even consider themselves blessed. But as far as God is concerned, they never walked in the will of God. You know, Jesus says, those who do the will of my father are my brothers, my sisters, and my mother. And if you never walked in the will of God, you will not carry that title, that familial relationship with Jesus. Church, that is not the path God has called us to walk. That is not the path. God does bless us, yes. But we always remember, first of all, not to forget God. But second of all, is whatever blessing He has given us is meant to advance the kingdom of God. And so we're still at war. God may bless us, but we're still at war. And what God has blessed us with is meant to advance the kingdom of God. It's meant to enable us to go to war and extend and expand the kingdom of God. He calls us to take up the cross, which means knowing that the comfort He has given us is also meant for others. We bless and we bring the kingdom of God out to people. Cultivating your relationship with God is key to making sure that you don't fall for the lie of a comfortable life. Cultivating your relationship with God in those peaceful years is key to making sure that when God does bless us, we do not live the lie of a comfortable life. We are always at war together with God and advancing the kingdom. The next thing, before I go on to Jael, in Judges chapter 5, you would notice that what God did as the 10,000 men and Barak were advancing against Sisera and army was that God brought what is known as a rainstorm. Now, I'll tell you why this is interesting. Because in that season, there is no rain. In that season, there is no rain and 900 iron chariots can ride on the plains with no problem because the ground is dry. But when this took place and when they were advancing against Sisera's army, God sent a rainstorm. The way Deborah describes it in Judges 5 is the heavens fought for them. The heavens fought for them. The Kishon River, which was usually a small little brook during dry season, became a swelling river. And so you had people whose iron chariots, heavy iron chariots, got stuck in the mud. And then the soldiers get washed away by the torrent of the Kishon River. What did Barak do? God, I am willing. What did the 10,000 men do? God, I am willing. And then God brought the victory. God brought the victory. I don't know what it is like in your lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God brought the victory. I don't know what it is like in your lives, but the first step anyone takes is saying, God, I am willing. And you will see the victory of the Lord. You will see the victory of the Lord. I go to the last person in the story, Jael. The story tells us that Sisera, tired after having been fleeing from, from the Israelite army, enters into the tent of a lady named Jael. Jael is a Kenite. Technically, she's not Israelite, neither is she uh, uh, Jabin's uh, race. The Kenites have sort of, some sort of relationship with Israel, but they're not technically Israelites. He goes into the tent of Jael. Technically, he went to jail. He's asking for it. Jael then provides him with some yogurty drink, curds and stuff. Let's him rest. And as gruesome as it sounds, she really did this. She took a tent peg with a hammer that even some Marvel Avenger would not dare to touch. And while Sisera is lying there asleep, she takes that tent peg over his temples and hammers it through. Gruesome. I haven't figured out how to explain this to my kids. We'll talk about this when I get home. But I want to say this. First of all, and I didn't mention this in second service, I was worshipping, I was like, hey, yeah, actually, yeah, Jael was not even an Israelite. This is very important. Here are people who would stand with Israel and stand with the God of Israel, although technically they can be non-aligned. 
because they see the God of Israel, because they see what God is doing, because they flow in line with the God who has blessed Israel and they believe that this God is true and that can be any one of us who decide at this point that I want to follow God. Jael was not even an Israelite, but she stood with God. But here's the thing I also want to say. And my wife and I have this conversation. If you don't know, uh, my wife is, is a stay-at-home mom. We've got four kids, praise the Lord. And we always have these conversations about our ministry as, as husband and wife. You see me more often. You see me on the stage. You see me in meetings. You see me serving. You see me doing ministry. You see me speaking and, and, and perhaps with authority, I hope. You know, doing, doing the ministry things, doing the ministry things. But I want to tell you, while my wife is right now at this moment making sure my kids are fed, by the t- while at this moment my wife is making sure that my kids are changed and ready to go to life gen service at 4pm, while my wife is hosting guests, while my wife is making sure the house is clean and, and taken care of, she is slaying giants. She is raising children who will be giant slayers. She is building, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, she is building a community of people who will become people who advance the kingdom of God. She is training herself to be a Deborah. And she is advancing the kingdom of God even though we don't necessarily see it out in the open. She's cultivating or getting even the children cultivating a relationship with God so that they become the Baraks with full willingness, the, the, the people who advance the kingdom of God and say, I am willing and I will go. She's the warrior princess who defends her family and her home. And let me tell you this, Sisera, whatever his name looks like, whatever form he comes in, has no rest in my house. Has no rest in my house. He may take a nap and that is the end of him. Sisera has no rest in my home because my wife wages war against the enemy. My wife wages war and advances the kingdom of God where God has called her to be at. So church, this is what I want to tell you today. You may be a judge. You may be prominent. You may be Barak, perhaps a leader in Israel to some extent. You may be Jael, who is a, who is a, who is a stay-at-home mom or a wife who just lives in the tent. But wherever you are at, God is calling you to wage war for the kingdom. And He brings the victory. He brings the victory. Church, can we rise? Can we rise? Today, God is calling us to war. He's not calling us to life of convenience or comfort. When you get blessed, you bless others. God is calling us to war for the kingdom of God. God is calling us to advance the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter whether you've been with God for many years like Deborah. It doesn't matter whether you are, you, you, you are called individually or you're called like the 10,000, all of you part of this church. It does not matter whether you're in the physical front lines or you're behind the scenes like Jael. God is calling all of us to war. And I want to end with this, John 16, 33. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Victory is already won. Let's praise the Lord. Victory is already won. The question to each and every one of us today is this. Are you willing? Are you willing to go to war? Are you willing to advance the kingdom of God? Before we worship God, one last example. I told you this, the after effects of power conference, we were at a, at a CG last Friday. And this is what God is doing. And I want to just share this. I want to encourage you because when you go out for your weekdays, the W-E-E-K days, they're going to be strong days for you. On last Sunday, last Sunday, uh, one of our CG members um, was dreading going back to class the next day. She's a university student, dreading going back to class the next day. And why? Because one of the lecturers really has that kind of character or, or, 
or personality of speaking death. He was always using foul words. He was always demeaning and always very depressing. Going to his class is extremely depressing and she's not the only one who says this. It's her friends. It's her classmates. We're like, I dread going to this class. And so she shared this with some of our people in life, Jen, and we're like, no, stop there. We're going to speak life. You are going to be an atmosphere changer. You are going to go into your class tomorrow and as you go into a class, the atmosphere will change. Your lecturer will change in terms of his spirit and what he carries. On Friday, two days ago, two nights ago, she shared with us. And he said, I didn't even realize it changed until Friday. When all my friends were coming to me and say, hey, lecturer didn't talk like that, like he usually does. In fact, lecturer was being funny. Lecturer was, was trying to, you know, learn other languages in a very joking, very true very funny way, very endearing way. What happened? And then she said, actually, uh, let me tell you now, uh, last Sunday I told my friends about this in church. They prayed over me, they prayed over the lecturer, and that's what you see today, no? And praise God! You know what the friends say? You go ask your friends to do the same again. Here's the thing. You bring and advance the kingdom of God wherever you're at. Whether it's a class, whether it's a workplace, whether it's your home, wherever God has placed you, your customers, your clients, the people are going to see your life and you're going to advance the kingdom of God there by bringing love, joy, peace, righteousness, by bringing hope into their situations. And when you do, God will bring the victory. God will bring the victory. Sisera has no hold. Jabin has no hold. The enemy has no hold. When you say, I go with God and I am willing to advance the kingdom of God, Lord, we declare the kingdom of God manifested in every one of our lives. It doesn't matter how young or how old we are. It doesn't matter where we walk, where we go to. The kingdom of God will be made manifest as you go. You bring the kingdom of God with you. I just want to declare this over your life in Ephesians 6 when it says, We do not wage war against flesh and blood. That's true. We wage war against the spiritual forces of the, of the heavenly realms, the dark spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. But because of that, Paul says to the Ephesians, strap up with the shield, strap up with the armor of God, the shield of faith, the belt of truth. You carry the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You carry the sandals. You carry all of these things that God has given us in order to wage war. And then we pray. At the end of that whole list of armor, it says we pray. We pray and we pray and we pray that God will enable us to speak, that God will enable us to advance the kingdom of God. And we pray strongholds come down. We pray. So church, let's just pray. Let's just pray right now. I know it's, we've got a bit of time, but let's just pray. Let's just speak in tongues. We declare strongholds torn down. We declare strongholds in families torn down. We declare strongholds in medical issues torn down. We declare strongholds of the enemy that have been raised will not prevail against the advancement of the kingdom of God. We pray against every stronghold from every form, in every way, from any direction against your kingdom of God will not prevail. And we will carry the sword of the Spirit. We will carry the armor of God when we go. Lord Jesus, we declare victory, God. We declare victory, O God, in our lives. We declare victory as we advance your kingdom. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. If you're a leader here, cell group leader, those coming tonight, you know who you are. Can I just ask you to raise your hands? And those around you, if you see a leader around you, raise your hands. Just like, you know, stretch your hands off forth to them that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the peoples offered themselves willingly, we praise the Lord. So for those of you who are nearby, just pat them on the back and say, I praise the Lord for you. I praise the Lord for you. We do. We praise the Lord for you. And that's true. We praise the Lord for you. Because you've said, I am willing. I'm going to go to war. And I want to bless you. Even before I see you tonight, I want to bless you and 
and say, we're going to war together. We're going to advance the kingdom of God together. So Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing over every person here right now. Leaders, you bless them. Even as we say, yes, we will go and advance the kingdom of God with you in SIBKL. For all of us here who are, who are supporting our leaders, who are praying for them and encouraging them and saying, we're with you. You're the 10,000 men. You're the willing tribes. You're the people who say, I'm going to go to war with you. You have led us on and I will follow and I will see the victory of the Lord. I bless you now as you go out of this place. Your weekdays will not be your weekdays. They will be strong days. And when you come back on Saturday and Sunday, there will be stronger days. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Go with the power of God. Go with the authority and the blessing of the Lord. Leaders, I'll see you tonight. God bless you. God bless you those online. God bless you as well. Have a great week ahead.